Hey, welcome to Spectrum's new podcast, Adventist Voices. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and here at Spectrum, we're really excited about playing around with this platform in a variety of ways. We're going to be experimenting with different hosts and show styles. So stay tuned, let us know what you think, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Today, I'm talking with Jennifer Allen, a 20-something-year-old young woman who just wrote a book called Confessions of an Adventist Boy. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that we have a conference coming up Labor Day weekend in Orlando, Florida, and it's going to be great. It's on the campus of Advent Health University, and the topic is identities in and beyond the borders of Adventism. Notice the plural there. To help us navigate this politically, socially, and personally difficult but rewarding subject, we've got the legendary Dr. Gerald Winslow, who's the director of the Center for Christian Bioethics at Loma Linda University. He'll be drawing on his five-decade career thinking about these issues. We've got Edwin Hernandez, who's the president of Advent Health University, and he's going to be drawing on his scholarly work on demographics. We've got Michael Nixon, who's the vice president for diversity and inclusion at Andrews University, He's an attorney who thinks about these issues every single day. And we've got Vanessa Corradera, who's a young scholar of Shakespearean studies who mixes the past with contemporary conversations of intersectionality. And that's just a few of the folks that we've got coming to this conference. We hope to see you there. Don't forget to go to the Spectrum website and register as soon as you can. I don't know if you've been to a conference lately or been to church and heard someone say, where are the young people? I appreciate the sentiment behind that. But as I was thinking about my conversation with Jennifer Allen, I was drawn to the fact that often I think folks ask that question, where are the young people, in terms of physicality. Why aren't they in the pews? Why aren't they in the chairs at a conference? Why aren't they delegates at the general conference? But they often don't go beyond the physical to ask where are they mentally, emotionally, spiritually? And that's what I really appreciate about Jennifer Allen's book, Confessions of an Adventist Boy, because she did that. She went out and asked young men between the ages of 21 and 40, where are you? What's going on? Who are you? And I think what she discovers could be a bombshell for Adventist leaders if they took it seriously. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. On the move, and the poor, and the meek, and the hungry, and the lonely. I'll never forget it. All right, I want to welcome Jennifer Allen to Adventist Voices. Um, she's the author of Confessions of an Adventist Boy, and I think we're in for a very interesting conversation. Uh, welcome to uh, the Spectrum community. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is just a good time. 
right here. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I think your book is a good time as well. So I, I hope folks will get a really good sense of it from this conversation. Good. I'm, hap- I'm happy to hear you say that. You, you never, you know, you do all the research, you try and figure out what's the great time to enter it in. And unfortunately, in some of these topics, it's never going to be a good time. You just got to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I like about your book. Um, it's incredibly honest stories, the sort of real talk that uh, folks um, don't really uh, do publicly in Mm -hmm. the Adventist world. And I Mm -hmm. think your book uh, really um, gives us uh, incredible insight into how people actually are. Um, And then the other thing I'm I, I love about your book is you, uh, your kind of DIY do it yourself, uh, mm-hmm. publishing, uh, empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. just before we get started, I wanted to read a little section of your, um, kind of introduction Uh-oh. acknowledgements, uh, just to give folks, uh, uh, a sense of what uh, they're in for when they read this. Okay. This book is not a commissioned work by the Seventh-day Adventist Church and is not a representation of the general view of the church administration or general conference officials, as they were not interviewed in the process of compiling this material. This book highlights individual opinions of people who have grown up within the church and or have been submerged within the culture. When a book starts like that, you know you're in for a good time. You know what? I'm so happy to hear you say that. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous phrase to to say, or at least to start out with. So to let people know that I, I had to be honest and let them know what was actually happening and who is actually speaking in these confessions and testimonials, because it's it makes it, it either makes or breaks the book, and, and they needed to know that. Totally. Well, let's. Uh, I, w- I want to hear you uh, explain a little bit about uh, your book. Um, how do you talk about it? Okay. Well, I think first it's probably important that the audience knows who I am, um, if if I may. Um, yeah, it, please. It, hel- it helps tie tie it in a little bit. Um, I'm a marketing consultant, been so for about nine years now, and that's a little rare, having grown up Adventist and jumping into the business sector, since it's not as highly looked up on upon or recommended. Um, So I help businesses uh, reach new target markets and help them communicate also uh, more efficiently with their current audience. And in some cases that my research will highlight what's being done to repel target markets as well. So things that people are actively doing to actually rid themselves of a potential audience. And so I help them figure out what's going on and I help them figure out how to move forward. So that's what I do. And that's probably a, a really good segue into this book because I'm lifting it up right now. And this, and this whole thing is the very first stage of what I do with any sort of business. And the first, first and foremost, when you go in, you have to figure out what's actually going on before you can figure out which direction you need to go into. Because if you don't know, you can't, you can't expect logical outcomes to, to your made up scenario. Yeah. Let me jump in there. I like that you say actually going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how that approach uh, shaped how you went around about the research of Mm -hmm. of interviewing all these uh, boys? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the idea initially came 
about when I was sitting with a friend and we're listening, you know, to a Sabbath school lesson of sorts. And the speaker kind of skims over very, very sensitive topics, but he does it super quickly and he avoids any hands that are raised during that topic. And he goes forward and my friend just nods his head back and forth. And he's like, I really, really wish leaders would stop doing that. And Hmm. that exact scenario happened multiple times with me, with different people. And I began seeing a pattern and an opportunity to actually find out what these young adults in the church were actually thinking. And as the saying goes, you jump down the rabbit hole. And I came out at the other end with a 44-page book filled to the brim with beautiful and occasionally brutal honesty. Uh, Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about the process, just the scope of of the demographics of who you interviewed to to get to this uh, um, these these confessions. Sure. Yeah. We. I originally started with just anyone, anyone that would be willing to talk with me. But the more people who actually began reaching out to me, uh, I realized I needed to split up the males and the females. Um, just for the sake of making the editorial process easier. So this this one is Confessions of an Adventist Boy. Uh, mind you, the boy part of the title is only a condition of their qualification. They're all men now. So these are all males between the ages of 21 and 40 who live in the United States, uh, which is incredibly important. Um, and... They either grew up Adventist or they were heavily submerged within the religion and culture during their youth, sometime during their youth. So this isn't just a book where you interview Adventist people and you get beautiful, sad, glorious stories all over the place. No, we wanted to know the people who had similar roots and they branched out. And just like a tree, we wanted to figure out which direction they went into and why and how Adventism contributed to all of those directions. Hmm, that's a really interesting metaphor, uh, growing up together and then ending up all over the place, which you get mm-hmm. that feeling. I mean, there's definitely some common themes mm-hmm. um, in here, but it's it, I think, you know, the word that comes to mind is diversity. There's mm-hmm. an incredible range of how people talk about not just Adventist beliefs here, uh, very honestly, Mm -hmm. but also relationships, sexuality, and uh, how they're trying in some way to to understand their spiritual role in the world or or relationship to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Please, go ahead. Yeah, um, I just wanted to get a sense of how long this took you as well. Oh, man. By far, this will be the most terrifying question I get. And <laughs> this is one of those moments. Um, I'm a little little bit of a nerd sometimes. I was like, man, how much time am I spending per person? And I sat down and tried to figure it out. I got to four hours per person and I stopped because I decided I no longer wanted to know. <laughs> I, just, I, had to, I had to cut that out of, you know, it would distract me from my progress. And essentially what I can say is it, it, took, a, it took about a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, especially, I'm a, I'm a, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, it's when, when you're writing something, it's it's not just the writing. You're writing, you can be done, but as soon as the editorial process comes up, that's a whole new ballgame. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that time that you spend with folks is um, is reflected in the depth that you uh, reach in some of the 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 testimonies that they share. If we can use a religious term there, yeah. 
Um, but you also do some, uh, you kind of just look at, you give some really helpful stat stats as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I'm just going to share a couple of them and if do. <laughs> I think they're really interesting. Um, do you, uh, currently identify as a seventh day Adventist? You've got, um, 35 saying no, 65% of the folks you interviewed saying yes. Um, do you believe and support all the 28 fundamental beliefs? Uh, 42 saying no, 20 saying yes, and about 38 saying they don't remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that in. There were just so many people who just said they couldn't remember, and that's not necessarily to make fun, although it is slightly humorous. Uh, it's to show what's relevant in their lives and what's not. So. Yeah, uh, I I feel like some of the this um, is is incredibly relevatory because um, you know I don't see people talking about some of these numbers. I'll just give two more here. Do you tithe to the church? Sixty nine percent saying no, thirty one percent saying yes, and these are men between twenty one and forty. So that's a kind of interesting uh, number there. Um, in yeah. some ways, I'm surprised how many are saying yes. Um, in a way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to to be fair, it's it's the tithing is is by far the most sensitive issue. Anytime, and this is not just in in relation to a private Adventist institution. This is no matter what institution you're looking at, public or private. Anytime you talk about the financials, that will probably be the most sensitive topic you talk about because you have the potential of giving someone the impression that you're attacking their livelihood. And the second, yeah. so the second you touch somebody's wallet, it's all over. So yeah. that's when the gloves come off. That's when that's when things start going down. So it's a it's a, I was very happy they were honest. They were very honest and open about whether or not they were choosing to give to the church. Incredibly. I mean, you're interviewing folks who, you know, there's folks here who are uh, this whole continuum of folks who are no longer members of the church to folks who are sort of attending regularly, irregularly to folks who are uh, teaching in Adventist institutions mm-hmm. uh, and even uh, at the G working at the general conference. Mm-hmm. So really good, an interesting specter. I'm glad you point out that these are American, you know, connected, rooted folks, um, because that's an important um, kind of demographic uh, parameter because most of the church is outside the U.S. Right. But this really gives yeah. us an insight into kind of what's happening in the North American division. Um, one more thing you said tithe was the kind of most sensitive. Here's the statistic on sexual intercourse outside of marriage. (laughs) Go for it. Yes. 79% answered that they've had sex outside of marriage. Only 21% said no. I don't really hear that reflected in uh, what uh, Bible teachers and pastors are, are normally talking about. Uh, no, they, they, they are pretty darn good at keeping that hush hush. So, and you'll, you'll understand why in some of the, uh, testimonies on confessions that are given, um, a lot of, a lot of people tried to bring it up and, and they were, they were quickly hushed so that people could focus on some uh, good things. So you got real with a lot of these folks. Can you just talk a little bit about what that was like for you as a as a researcher and interviewer? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Absolutely. Um, to be fair, 
I think it actually kind of went the other direction. They actually got real with me. Um, I A lot of these sensitive topics don't necessarily make me, me uncomfortable, but I do know that they make the majority of other people uncomfortable. So it was very important for me to provide them a safe environment where they really felt like they could be authentic in who they were. And I'm very sensitive of, of people's time. And here I am thanking them profusely, making sure that they know how appreciated they are. And really, they're trying to get me to stop because they want to say thank you to me. Because there's the majority of these people felt like it was an opportunity to be real that they were never, ever, ever going to get again. So to speak their true thoughts about what they felt about their upbringing and about their church and about something that has both been the love of their life and has hurt them deeply, to be able to fully say what they believe and think without any repercussions or judgment, uh, you could see the weight lifted off of their shoulders. And, And yes, I could actually see that because the whole time where... Uh, all of my interviews were face-to-face. So having people all over the nation want to chat with me about these things, and we would always do it on Skype or FaceTime or in some form where I could read their body language and probe further if I saw them tense up or get uncomfortable, and I could ask them why. I, you know, and, and, that's, and that's where things came up, and they felt comfortable talking about sex before marriage, and they felt comfortable talking about how much alcohol they drink. And... And they didn't feel rejected because I'm here as a researcher. I'm not here. My opinions do not matter. How did you set the, how did you kind of create that um, atmosphere so that folks felt comfortable um, talking to you? Obviously you point out that you're there as a researcher, Mm -hmm. not a judge. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, what, what sort of uh, thinking did you put into that? You know, I'm just not sure what I'm going to be able to give you on this one because I may just be lucky enough to be one of those people that when I nod my head and say, please go ahead, they just know that they can trust me. And unfortunately, that's not going to give people a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, Oprah, (laughs) Oprah quality, I guess. (laughs) You know what? That may be a good way to put it, but I have never, ever been one of those people um, to, to start dishing out other people's information. I've always been in positions where people have told me much more than I ever needed to know. Um, and that growing up with that has, has taught me how to approach people about sensitive topics. And to be fair, one thing I want to say is that these interviewees were absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I will f- by far be the most blessed person out of all of this, having seen what they went through because they didn't get questions ahead of time. It was all on the spot. And in many cases, I was literally watching them as they mold over a topic and tried to figure it out right in front of me. So, wow. It, That's really interesting. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, there's so many great uh, examples. Everyone is definitely going to have to go buy the book um, and, and read these confessions. Um, I'm, I, I will just read briefly from one here. Um, I see myself going back to the Seventh-day Adventist Church someday. This is a person uh, anonymous, but you named him Josh. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know how well I'll integrate myself because I believe things a little differently now. Many of my opinions have evolved as I've gotten older. Jumping into the real world outside of Adventism has been eye-opening to say the least. 
the whole world doesn't share the same morals on how to treat another. And he goes on from there, but he ends. But in all of the Adventist stories we've grown up with, good always prevails in the end. And yet that's not always the case in this world. Um, People get into all kinds of interesting details about um, their choices about money and their choices about intimacy and relationships in this book and plenty on beliefs. But I thought that one was a really interesting example of someone sort of saying, you know, you can, you're, you're telling me all these things about good prevailing in the world and whether we're talking about a, a person's own, you know, their own life, mm-hmm. trying to make it in the world or looking at politics, mm-hmm. looking at religious leaders, um, talking about the globe, um, all of these things don't always seem to have that great controversy, good will prevail in the end message that we're, we're taught. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was a, a great example. Are there any that stand out to you that uh, sort of linger or give, give you a sense of uh, satisfaction in having captured that person's uh, story? Oh, man, there are so, so many. There, are, You know what? Each There are over... There are 40 talking points that were almost completely dictated by all of my interviewees. It was what they wanted to address and they wanted to talk about. Um, the only time I ever addressed a new topic is if they were stumbling, you know, and, it, really? and, and they weren't okay. sure how to move forward. So the outline wasn't actually dictated by me. It was it was a process where we jumped into the project looking for information and allowing other people to dictate what that was going to be. And so when we started summarizing and putting things together, we got these 40 topics. Um, of course, homosexuality and gender topics um, yeah. is going to be a sensitive thing. And I had one individual, one man come out to me um, as being gay. And that was his first coming out. Wow. And he and he said that to me and he said he said technically the only people he's told are his parents. And he goes, but there's there's different methods to someone coming out. And he said one is to your family, to the people closest to you. Another is publicly. And the third, what, which people forget about, is the church. And he goes, and the first two are safe. And he does not feel the third one is safe, which is why he left, because he was a religious leader in the church. Wow. Yeah. And so he told me that. And then... I mean, those are really kind of beautiful yet gut-wrenching stories that we can hear. And I had another guy, I asked him in the relationship section, I said, okay, so do you have a girlfriend? And he flat out just said, no, I'm a homosexual. And he said it so comfortably with me that I actually wasn't sure if he was joking. So I had to get clarification, but he said, no, this is how real I am. He goes, when I told my mother, she said, me being gay was worse than her cancer. Wow. And basically didn't want to have anything to do with that part of his life. So it's it's kind of these kind of confessions that uh, I feel blessed that someone felt comfortable enough to say that to me out loud, you know. Um, but we've got lots of things. Um, even the stats on baptism actually surprised me a little bit. Yeah, those are interesting. Yeah, we asked them, we asked them, what was your motivation to get baptized? And I was thinking a lot more people would have felt pressured, but I think we've got a solid 60% who felt that they truly did choose for themselves, which I, which is great and a little unexpected, but, uh, yeah, but absolutely, absolutely wonderful for sure. Yeah, I think, um, folks, you know, it's, Going back to your tree metaphor, I think that the branches go in directions that we sometimes expect. Um, 
I think folks who think of themselves as very traditional Adventists will find things in here that will comfort them mm-hmm. and then also surprise them. And I think folks who uh, have left sort of traditional um, ideas of Adventism will find things that will comfort them, but also challenge them as well. I think uh, I found myself um, really interested in seeing where the the branches went on this tree and it went in um, directions that were uh, always interesting to me. Right. And you know what? I ha- I do have to say these, these unhindered confessions, um, they are neither 100% negative towards the church, nor are they 100% positive. They are all across the spectrum. And we actually tried to position the testimonials in kind of a back and forth seesaw manner so that it it helps the reader feel like they're sitting down with somebody. It's very conversational. You're sitting down with some someone mulling over the different sides of a topic rather than being told what to think. And this book gives you permission to access different thought processes. And in fact, to tell you the truth, it's actually incredibly rare to find anyone who is fully anti-Adventist. An, or, or sure. anti the culture, because even the people who leave are they're very objective. They're they're looking at the whole part, and they're like, you know, I've left, but I still see value in several different aspects. And I ask them what they are, and they share. But this book is called Confessions for a reason, with all the transparent, raw, authentic, and well, provocative content, <laughs> if you will. But so, if you're easily offended. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, if you're easily offended, you should probably stay as far away from this book as you possibly can. Yeah, I'll I'll suggest, might I suggest, you know, like chicken soup for the soul, you know, because Confessions of an Amethyst Boy is more like chicken soup for, you know, the reality checked soul. So if real things make you uncomfortable, just don't read it. Stay away. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think um, every, every, pastor and educator um, definitely needs to be uh, reading this. Uh, Every church administrator um, would do well to read this. And, um, Mm. you know, I think they would find that their um, policies, I think sermons, lectures, um, youth pastor uh, conversations, all of those would uh, become much more real just by seeing understanding who's actually in front of uh, them. Um, so uh, let's jump to you yeah. if we can get a little personal um, <laughs> confessions from uh, Jennifer Allen okay. time. Just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, where you grew up and, and how you're connected to Adventism, at least at a early age. And we'll get up to later years. Sure. You know, I should put out there, this is actually the first time that somebody has asked me that question. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, um, Confession time. Right. And, and to I have to remind people it takes me it takes my brain a second to to kind of switch over because my entire work life, my entire life is about looking from other people's perspectives. It's about giving them a platform. And I do that every single day through my research, through everything. So for somebody to ask me, I'll be like, okay, here we go. Let's make that transition. So I grew up Adventist, but I used to always say that I I got my religion from my father and my spirituality from my mother. Oh, nice. And what do you mean by that? My my father was a pastor, but it was no doubt the other part of my family that taught me the relationship aspect of of uh-huh. my faith. And so 
Um, I grew up, um, essentially, I grew up with a single mom raising three kids, and she knew the importance of community. And mm -hmm. thankfully, she's the one that that taught her kids, me, how if you, you cannot put your faith on human beings because they're human beings just like everyone else. So no doubt if we had done that, we would have been out of the church a long time ago. But um, we found community within the Adventist church. And to tell you the truth, I'm probably the best example of a community raising a child. And How so? Um, well, considering that my mother was a single parent, she naturally she went out to find male mentors that could potentially fill that gap in, in her kid's life for both my brothers and myself. And she went about doing that. And instead of just getting one or two people, I was incredibly blessed. And I got handfuls of people within the community um, who were willing to raise me and teach me and, and, live with me, you know, and be authentic. And, and I got to be a part of that as I grew up and I'm, and I'm still a part of that today. So. That's great. I, I like your emphasis on community. Um, tell us about um, like churches or schools that you were connected to. At, were they important in sh kind of shaping who you are and your, um, you know, in your work in marketing and your, in your research here, or were they sort of tangential? Sure. I, I'm i not sure how specific it's good to get because I don't want people to get distracted. Uh, sure, but sure. I did go through uh, all of my education through the Adventist system. That's actually a topic within the book about how people categorize different industries and their teaching ability. <laughs> but um, I went through uh, Adventist uh, college. I went through them and went, did my business education through them and I immediately branched out. Uh, so I could go in about 50 different directions with this one. So you might have to help me out. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm just curious, um, like what did you study when you were in college? Yeah, I did uh, business with an emphasis in marketing. Um, it, essentially everybody wanted me to go be, uh, a psychologist <laughs> of sorts. So they were like, Oh, you've got this, you got this natural talent. But, um, having seen some of my family members go through that, I, I did not appreciate somebody chatting with me for an hour and then not taking my recommendations. <laughs> I was like, you know what? No, I was like, no, I'm not sure if I want to get paid for this. So it's instead I used that background and I did what I always consider to be the, the psychology of business, which is marketing. So sure. we go through and we, and we study people and we study what their needs are and how to reach them and how to communicate better with them. So. Um, that's great. I feel like you're offering Adventists an opportunity to kind of benefit from your professional experience of, of self-reflection. Um, are there any other kind of um, marketing skills or perspectives that you have applied to the Adventist church that you find helpful? All right. I don't know how to approach this, Alex, because you've just jumped into a whole different sector. Now you're official. Okay. You're asking for my official recommendations, essentially. Okay. <laughs> is, do well, I believe the we'll church is appropriately addressing its youthful congregation? You want me to answer it? Okay. Yes, of All right. Course. I won't. No, absolutely not. 
In fact, I have noticed a there's a there's a chain of information that I have been able to pick up through the interviews that I do not believe the reader will have the advantage to see. And one of those is that I've noticed the pain gets deeper and more silenced the more an individual is connected to the church. And wow. and maybe I'm going to have to write a third book. We've got Confessions of an Amethyst Boy out. We're working on the girls book right now. And maybe I need to write Confessions of an Amethyst author because people really would benefit from seeing these ties. Like the the individuals from various conferences who actually sought me out because they were so desperate for an outlet that they could not find. They they're the epitome of ha- being surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people, but feeling utterly and completely alone. Yeah. Here, I'm going to just read from one Peyton here who says, I work for the general conference, but I have a hard time admitting that I'm an Adventist. I'm not very attached to the religion because of all the negative experiences of, I've had here. And he goes on from there, but that's, I mean, you're right there at the, the, the seat of, Adventist power mm-hmm. in a way. And you've got folks who even, un, you know, right there are um, representing kind of what you just mm-hmm. said, that uh, there's a there's a real disconnect between the public and the private. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Oh, no, I was, um, I, I mean, I, I, this whole process is just a huge, huge blessing. It's not very often that a researcher can go in and actually successfully get real responses that can create positive dialogue about growth and change. And that's exactly what this book is for. That's what it's meant for. And it's to help start that process of being able to feel more comfortable talking about things that actually matter to people. And no, nobody's out, nobody outright will say, we're not going to listen to you. Okay. But they certainly will show you that in their behavior or whatever, you know, passive aggressive form they favor most, like ignoring you. <laughs> but um, no, there, there's a lot of people who want to be heard. I know a lot of people. There were a lot of people who declined because they felt unsafe. They thought that they were going to lose their job if they spoke. Uh, even even if it was anonymous, they they were just thoroughly uncomfortable, and that's actually why we changed everyone's name. It would defeat the purpose. You know how the brain works. The br- brain the brain functions where you read read a script, but you want to know who said it, and then you want to dig into deep to figure out who that person was. But that that defeats the entire purpose of what was said. And mm-hmm. so, thankfully, I was able to provide that environment, and ho- hopefully, other people get encouragement to start talking about it too. So. Yeah, it really does encourage um, self-reflection um, um, in, I think, really significant ways. Um, and it's also fun. I think, um, you know, it's talking about I've, I've done surveys of Adventists. I've read plenty um, over the years. Um, what I th- think is really great about yours is that there's, there's a, a kind of raw... Uh, transcription quality. <laughs> I think your use of the word confession is great there because there's a little bit of a juiciness to this. Uh, <laughs> you just had to bring which, that up, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. No. I. 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 You know, we got to sell books, oh, Jennifer. Man. I'm not. I'm not in marketing, oh. but I. This. It's not boring reading. Uh, there's. There's actual like fun stories. <laughs> there is. And, it's amazing. You know, it really is. Yeah, and you're, you're, yeah. you're definitely not the first person to bring that up. I was actually, I had the opportunity, very rare, but I had the opportunity to do an interview in person with somebody 
Oh. And I I actually had an old professor come come to me during the interview. So I'm recording this interview and he I, w- I was very surprised because he was within his 70s, which is far outside our, uh, the demographic of the book. And he was very excited about what I was doing. And I was surprised. I, I was expecting a little more, <laughs> a little more of a solid brick wall. But instead, I got the complete opposite. He was very excited. But he said, not only is it called confessions, which is a Catholic term, I was like, no, I, like that. What my intention wasn't to provoke, but um, that that wasn't my intention. But he said also, this book wasn't commissioned by the church, and every single book out there like this is commissioned. Which means this is the book that people can trust. Yeah, 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 yep, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that's interesting. You share that story um, from that person because um, when I was um, in late high school, I read St. Augustine's Confessions, okay. and I and I know um, some schools have their students read that as well as part of um, sort of early um, uh, orientation classes. And um, there's a, a sort of uh, there's a similarity to the process of mixing both like the, um, you know, the the someone's existential position in the world, their physical relationship with other people and their relationship to uh, God all together. And I think, you know, this book um, gives us a feel like mm-hmm. that. Um, so yeah. anyway, um, so um, I'm, I've got a question for you, which is what um, this is just a you, you publish under initials, and I'm just curious why. Uh, J.D. Allen, is that what you're referring to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my pen name, if you can call it that, because it you know, actually is my initials. So, uh, you know what? That was just a strategic move on my end. Nothing to read into too much. It's uh, okay. it's um, it's well, it's well known that some names uh, catch the eye quicker and are someone's more prone to pick pick it up compared compared to other sure. names. Now, if you want me to get technical about this and you want me to actually say what I'm actually trying to say. <laughs> yes, please. Um, essentially, um, female authors are, are less look, looked upon and their books are picked up less than, than a male name. So it's it's a classic thing, just like uh, J.K. Rowling, if I can bring her up. Don't burn, don't burn me alive. Sure. Just, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that, that's what she did. She was ignored for a long time. And she and the K, from what I understand, doesn't actually stand for anything. So... Uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. So double check your research. Um, but uh, no, she switched it up. And as soon as she switched it up, her, her whole series got picked up. And But uh, no, it's um, it was just a choice. It was my desire to maintain some level of anonymity, which is, which is um, idyllic and very silly. But um, uh, nonetheless, it's just, it was just a, a fun choice. That's all. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good pen name. Um, I, Kind of wrapping up here, I wanted to point out in your uh, dedication, you uh, use some Latin there, <laughs> uh, soli geo gloria, uh-huh. glory to God alone. And I'm curious why you. Did I, I'm that. happy. I'm happy you translated that. That is a that is a phrase that I've taken with me from a long time. I my choir my choir teacher put that in my Bible when I graduated high school. And he put that, and it was a part of a song that we sang that I just remember being so beautiful. And those words have always stayed with me because no matter what we do, 
no matter what we're struggling with, you know, it just, it just comes down to you stop criticizing people. You, you take them as they are. And no matter what's happening in the very, very end are to God be the glory, you know, is, are the things that we're doing glorifying him. And in a way, this is a dedication to be, to begin that process again and, and to, and to listen to his people, you know, and, and yeah, so I, that's a, that's a phrase that I've always kept with me. And I definitely chose to make that my, my dedication phrase for sure. That's really beautiful. Thanks for yeah, sharing absolutely. that. So, All right. Oh, no, so I was just going to mention that I'm really happy. We haven't pushed the book yet. So it's, it's not new for me, but it will be new for a lot of other people. Uh, but we've been, we, yeah, yeah, yeah you can jump on Amazon confessions of an Adventist boy and JD Allen. That's the pen name, but mostly positive responses. Everyone's been really great. Um, even negative. I accept those two. That's, that only makes things better from depending on what kind of negativity you're providing. <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> somebody mentioned they wish there was more summary summaries. They're, they're, they're too short. They told me, they said the testimonials are great. I just really wish there was more of that section. And I remember thinking, man, that was my section. <laughs> like, this was my area. And I was like, oh, but you know what? In, in all seriousness, it couldn't be helped. The book started to get so big and my editors and I just absolutely refused to get rid of the other content because it was so good. Uh, and the only other comment I got was I actually had a, one of my best friends. He told me he was actually a little worried for me. And this was right. This was a few weeks right before I made it available. And he just says, I'm, I'm a little worried for you because, because the opinions are so controversial. And I, to, in all, you know, transparency, I actually, I actually giggled, not out of disrespect, but because it was humorous to me in, for three reasons one none of them were my opinions this is a this is a research your yeah. i my only job is to present the data uh, so they're not my opinions uh secondly my friend had just in, in unintentionally confessed something and i had not interviewed this person for the book and he'd unintentionally con- confessed what he felt about adventist leaders and what they were capable of mm-hmm. and three if anyone did get upset it most certainly it would hardly be for differing opinions you can find those everywhere I was like, you yeah. on every single topic in every single iPod, <laughs> iPod <laughs> podcast, and but what people can't tolerate is they can't ignore when you bring up certain aspects of 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 the church and their financials and things like that. And considering that there's been a seven percent drop in U.S. I want to say attendance, but membership rates seven percent drop <laughs> that is significant and for other people seven percent people who don't particularly read numbers or care about them won't think it's a big deal but seven percent is excuse me seven percent drop in tithe giving that's well over s- several hundred million dollars Mil- just hundreds of millions of dollars just gone and this is why this is so good is you can figure out why where are these people going because they are leaving and they're not coming back Wow. What a way to uh, wrap <laughs> things up here. <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> Read on, find out, find out yep, why. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, I think um, this is uh, a perfect read for folks in the spectrum community. Um, and uh, this is a chance to help a sister out. Uh, this is great uh, spring summer reading. Um, it's enjoyable. It's really informative. It's, it's peppered with um, folks referencing things that they have um, had parents have them read or college 
professors had them read or things that they're finding out there in the world to inform them. So it really gives you a sense of, of what, um, at least in this case, uh, young men are, uh, are thinking about. And um, if uh, the Adventist church is going to, in any way, um, attract um, males of this demographic, um, this is uh, definitely a must Right. Read. It would be detrimental to avoid this topic and this book when this is the new group of people who are going to come into leadership. So, Yeah. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave folks with um, uh, before we wrap well, up? Well, um, I will say that uh, we're still working on the, on the women's book which is already turning out to be absolutely amazing. But uh, we are actually accepting thoughts, perspectives, opinions about all sorts of things. So if people want to contribute and they have something that they would like to bring forth, they can actually uh, reach out through the, through the publishing house and they can do that. So um Anytime, any information, you just give us your name and we reach out. And if we use anything, of course, we make it all anonymous. So, Wow. Somebody can uh, be part of this uh, confessional uh, uh, publishing empire. The publishing is goldenarrowpublishing.com. And you can just jump over to the contact page and say, hey, and say, hey, I'd want to, hey, I want to contribute. Hey, I've got a thought. And I will respond and say, let me hear you out. That sounds great. Thanks so much for uh, yeah, talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me, me, Alex. This was a great time. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jennifer Allen. Thanks for checking out Adventist Voices. Don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to register for the Identities Conference Labor Day weekend at Advent Health University. You can go to the Spectrum website and register for that today. Also, while you're uh, thinking about this show, don't forget to uh, leave us a comment or two. Let us know what you think, what we could do better, and uh, who else we might involve in this conversation. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks a lot. Take care.